0: Before we start the episode, Matthew here with a quick correction. I claim that Oscar Saville is the current singer in 10,000 Maniacs. She actually replaced Mary Ramsey for about 2001 to 2007, and Mary Ramsey has been back as the lead singer ever since, including currently. Now, on with the episode.
1: Certain musical groups conjure up the image of a singular artist rather than an actual group of musicians. Some that come to mind are Dave Matthews Band, Nirvana, Wham!, Maroon 5, and Jimi Hendrix Experience. Yeah, I, counts, I love right. the
0: bassist of Maroon 5. Totally. Seminal. Seminal.
1: Way up there on this list are 80s, 90s darlings, 10,000 Maniacs. It is pretty much Natalie Merchant and those other folks. I'm not saying there isn't massive talent there. I'm sure the other members would take some offense to this statement. As a bass player myself, I get it. Yet the band has never broken up, and most people still can't name another member of 10,000 Maniacs. Natalie Merchant had a singular voice and stage presence that elevated the band to massive success in the early 90s. At that point, they already had over 10 years of collaboration under their belts. Ironically, they finally struck platinum with a live recording from their MTV Unplugged session. Also ironically, it was a cover of a somewhat obscure Patti Smith song that sparked this newfound success. Today, though, we will not discuss that cover, but rather a song that was perhaps the pinnacle of their songwriting, These Are Days. There was never a the in that song title. (laughs) Anyway... Let's dig in.
0: Okay, I'm. Uh, I'm glad we're finally doing this because uh, this is one of my favorite '80s '90s bands, um, and it continues to be so weird to me that they've been together for 30 years after Natalie Merchant left the band.
1: Okay, I, I was going to say they've been together for over 40 years. Oh they yeah, yeah, yeah. in but, 1981. But
0: like they've been they've been a Merchantless band much much longer than they were ever <laughs> a merch mercantile band. <laughs>
1: this is great because it's like time is catching up with them we've now got merchantless uh convenience stores, but they've been a merchantless band for well longer than that.
0: That's true. Yeah, no, they, they were one of the first bands to offer self-checkout. <laughs> okay, so something well I didn't done. put on the agenda, but actually, like, my my real, like, uh, 10,000 Maniacs origin story is that, uh, and I think, I feel like maybe I told the same story for some other album, but uh, this was an album that my roommate James Dean had, uh, not this album, sorry, uh, In My Tribe was an album that James Dean my freshman year roommate at uh, Pomona College had
1: the, the, the Rebel Without a Cause The right? Rebel
0: the rebel Without a Cause The, uh, the Rebel, uh, the self-checkout rebel um, And uh, I drove him nuts by playing his own CD over and over Because I loved it so much
1: <laughs> So I've mentioned on the show a few times That as a cliche teenage boy I thought that it wasn't okay, that I was going to be... I i don't know what it was. I didn't really enjoy bands with female singers. And I remember this as the first album that I was like, oh, man, this is such a good album. I listened to this album so much. And listening back to it the last couple of weeks, I realized how well I know this album oh, front yeah. to Oh, yeah, and it's
0: fantastic.
1: Specifically as, the Unplugged
0: a, album we're talking about. Although yes. this, So this song appeared on uh, as it was a single from their from their studio album Our Time in Eden, which was their last studio album with Natalie Merchant, um, which is an excellent album. And then also on uh, on the MTV Unplugged, which is one of the best unplugged ever.
1: Right. So this this song was originally released August 29th, 1992, but this version didn't come out until late nineteen ninety three. All right. I want to add in here real quick. By the time. Uh, Our Time in Eden, which was their best-selling s- studio album, and Natalie Merchant's last album came out, Natalie Merchant had given the band a two-year, two-album notice that she was quitting the band. Both of those albums, uh, MTV Unplugged and Our Time in Eden, were their two biggest by far, mm-hmm. and she walked away anyway. And clearly she found success without oh, them. Yeah. But I, I mean... I feel like if I had been in that position, I would have been like, you know, guys, maybe I jumped t- too soon. Maybe this is a good thing for me. Let's keep going. Seems like she's doing fine. Um, she She's definitely doing fine. And what she said about this was that she didn't want art by committee anymore.
0: Oh, yeah, sick it would, burn.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was kind of like, it's kind of like jabbing a knife in the side of everybody else in the band like but i don't like, need you guys okay
0: yeah i i will buy that like being in a band is hard but also like are are her early solo albums very different musically from later 10,000 maniacs albums i don't think so
1: well she she is such a powerful voice yeah and she wasn't going to change what she was doing so in terms of of the sound, it's similar. Although I almost think of Ten Thousand Maniacs, probably because of this album, as an acoustic band. And her first solo album, which was Tiger Lily, right, mm-hmm. was was definitely more electric in terms of the of what the band was doing.
0: Yeah, but also, but but like, Our Time at Eden is a pretty electric album.
1: Yeah, so. it it is. Like, I I remembered. Are you familiar
0: Uh, with the unplugged format?
1: (laughs) So something tells me there's something about them not being plugged in, but I may be jumping (laughs) to conclusions.
0: It's like it makes the guitars sound sort of different.
1: (laughs) Uh, I remember this song, These Are Days, not These Are The Days, being very similar to the album version, the MTV Unplugged version, and they are not similar at all. This stripped down version of it barely has drums on it at all like it like you could take out the drums and it would sound almost exactly the same and that is not what they're doing on the album true in the slightest so so i do kind of agree with that um natalie's singing style uh, which i want to mention here Mm -hmm. because it carries over to her solo career it's so interesting because she's got such a fantastic voice but it's it's what she does is simple. It's understated. It's like a perfect match for the music that she makes. She never sounds like she's straining. She doesn't have a large range. She's not Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not doing Chris Cornell screams. But what she does has a warmth. It's like it's like being wrapped in a blanket. She has command of her tone. She makes herself an instrument. She doesn't hit wrong notes. She's just a, a powerful singer without being like epically large with it
0: yeah and she she has like a you know a couple of of really uh telling quirks that that make make it so like you immediately know it's heard like when she has like a a consonant combination she will like drop an r from a consonant combination like you know treat becomes teat kind of (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, that
1: that that was a great example because i mean if you ask a kid do you want a treat it's a little bit different from asking a kid if you want to teach uh, it depends on the kid <laughs> Yeah, I suppose um, so.
0: so and and i think like she is she's like you know her her friend and sometimes collaborator michael stipe in that way like both great great singers who you instantly recognize their friends uh they're friends and uh and uh sang together on at least two tracks
1: I do know that 10,000 Maniacs they're from New York and they relocated to Georgia mm. for for a couple of years so that I assume sense. they they probably met there and then they said they moved to Atlanta because somebody said Atlanta's uh music scene was thriving and they got there and kind of muddled in obscurity and went okay somebody lied to us and they moved back to New York. <laughs> this okay. is this is true. Uh so, yeah, so they, they were already popular when they released this, um, and, like, Our Time in Eden uh, and Blind Man Zoo, the album before it, both went gold, and and Blind Man Zoo uh, hit number 13 on the charts, but this album sold three million copies. Yeah. Um, what, one of the things that I... Uh, I like to think I'm an encyclopedia of musical knowledge, and... So I'm like, oh, I mean, this this album is kind of what put MTV unplugged on the map. I don't that, think so. That is completely wrong. Somehow I forgot about first off Mariah Carey's version of "I'll Be There," which sold oh, you know, a measly ten million copies. <laughs> and then, of course, I somehow forgot about Eric Clapton unplugged, which came out in nineteen ninety two and sold twenty six million copies worldwide.
0: And and you uh, forgot uh, uh, LL Cool J's "Kinky Kinky Armpits."
1: That that was that was nineteen ninety one. Cakey. <laughs> Um, Such a good work,
0: and this album was so successful despite the fact that, like, okay, can you have you listened to enough that you can do an impression of the guy introducing them at the top of the album, which is one of the worst introductions ever?
1: I I had completely forgot about that, it's and when I listened to the so game, it, so funny. It, it's really, okay, really here, bad. I
0: think I can do it. It goes like it goes like this. Well, it's time to start. Let's say hi to Natalie and Ten Thousand Maniacs. Who I don't know who which which MTV VJ fucked this up so badly, but it's so funny. Uh,
1: I I did also notice this this little quirk with Natalie, which uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I don't know if she she doesn't if she gets nervous on stage or what. But I think literally after every single song on this album, she goes thank you after after the song ends.
0: I think that's legit.
1: It's kind of cute. It's, yeah. it's like, thank
0: you. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the structure of this song. Because, like, it's, uh, you know, we, we always talk about, like, how, like, uh, so many so many songs go- fall into the, like, verse, chorus, verse pattern. And then when we actually, like, sit down to analyze a song, it seems like the songs we pick rarely do. And this is one yeah. of Yeah. Uh, yeah, that it's sort of it's sort of just like a repeated, like high energy chorusy type of thing that then has like a bridge outro that's sort of a variation on it.
1: Can you really sing the chorus of this song like they they don't do one thing ever on the chorus. Sure. Like they, they change it up each time a little bit like the, even the harmonies change a little bit. Uh. The song opens with the chorus. The bridge is really long in terms of of how long the song is.
0: Yeah, I would say it's it's as much of an outro as a bridge, because it, it doesn't come back around after that to something we've heard before exactly, does it?
1: Not really. Um and, and well, I, I think we're ta- calling
0: the bridge, like in case like people are listening are like, what are you talking about? It's uh, um these days you might fill with laughter until you break. That part? Right?
1: Yeah. But it keeps going. Yeah. And and it doesn't really come back to the chorus again. It comes into that that uh it, what is it, a mandolin line? Yeah, I think so. Yes.
0: Do 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 is
1: that is that on the original version as well?
0: Ooh, I think it is.
1: Okay. Um like I said, I only listened to to that once or twice. It might
0: be it might be on guitar in the original.
1: Um. Also, the background singer on this, because I I think on the albums Natalie Merchant did all the background backing so. vocals herself. They had hired uh, this singer duo named John and Mary and Mary Ramsey, who is now the lead singer of Ten Thousand Maniacs. No, nope, not anymore. I don't think. Oh, you're right. She was <laughs> until about 2016, and yep. then she left. <laughs> Um, for a long time, she became the lead singer. I believe
0: the lead singer is now a woman named Oscar. Is that possible? The,
1: it's a woman? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't listen to anything <laughs> new, and I'm like, oh, wow, that was really bold of them to finally choose a guy after <laughs> almost 40 years of having female singers. Oh, yeah, they found him in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Re- really solid joke.
0: Hey, I uh, got COVID. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, w- yeah, we're recording remotely today, by the way, because Matthew found himself with COVID again not again th-
0: for the first time
1: this is your first time yes.
0: congratulations thanks
1: the I, pandemic it, isn't over Yeah, it I mean turns it, like out.
0: three three over three years
1: um but I want to talk about the harmonies a little bit on yeah. here because didn't you say that you you kind of heard the same thing that I did yeah
0: the harmony on um uh and and as you feel it is that what you're talking about yeah Cause there's yeah. a lower the, and as well, well, you and, feel and,
1: it is really and, good. These are days, L- yeah. like, they're doing the harmony below the melody mm-hmm. instead of above. I am not the best singer, and I I'm not the greatest harmonizer. But when I do come up with harmonies, they're always above the melody. It's it's all I can hear, and and. Even trying to pull out the harmony in this, I struggle with it. It it's it's they excelled at this. Yeah, in, really like, good stuff. Natalie was great at writing harmonies that come below the melody, and it creates a totally different sound. Yeah, that I, I think really, it's really, tricky like. to
0: do that because people expect the the harmonies to be higher, and so it is tricky to write a lower harmony that doesn't feel like it's competing with the lead vocal.
1: Right, and, and it it really. Kind of brings out the lead vocal it's not competing With it at all Um, The the Current band Um contains a lot of these same members, apparently not Mary Ramsey, apparently Oscar the Grouch is now singing for them. Um, most big fans of, of this band would have I wish said I could
0: do an Oscar the Grouch
1: voice. <laughs> Somehow, like, if I want to do an Oscar the Grouch voice, I can only think of him screaming vulgarities, which he definitely wasn't doing at all. I don't know why. It's like, get away from my trash can, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh so when the band formed in 1981 the the guy who formed in kind of the backbone of the band who played all these stringed instruments was this guy rob buck and he could play almost anything like he probably plays five or six different instruments in this unplugged uh performance yeah and unfortunately he died of liver failure in 2000 he was only 42 and one of the main reasons that Natalie Merchant says she would never reunite, reunite with the band is because without Buck they she thinks they could never be 10,000 Maniacs
0: yeah i get that um he he was great um and and also again they they have continued to tour as 10,000 Maniacs without either Rob Buck or Natalie Merchant for 30 years
1: yes but, but do you remember them coming around to town at all? No, <laughs> um, it's funny because when I saw his name and I I knew they had this connection to Georgia I'm like well wait a minute is the connection to Georgia that he and Peter Buck are related and you set, you found this thing about the Peter answer is Buck? no
0: but I have he- read or heard Peter Buck tell a story about how like one time like some hotel staff sent him to Rob Buck's hotel room thinking it was Peter Buck's hotel room and like uh, Peter Buck essentially broke into Rob Buck's hotel room in the middle of the night and they scared the shit out of each other <laughs> So good stuff, and they're not related.
1: That that is that is very very random. Yeah, I had I had to look it up after that. I'm like, no, no, no relation at all. Because when when did REM form? Oh, like 1980,
0: 1979, yeah. maybe.
1: Very very close to when this band yeah. formed. Another point. Uh, when a, we did live throwing copper,
0: <laughs> yes, I'll never forget.
1: Um, <laughs> I mentioned that I classified that band as adult contemporary, <laughs> which and you, I
0: totally disagreed. You but this disagreed. time, this time I will accept it.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, if if somebody put a gun to your head and said, "Classify this band," what what would you say?
0: Yeah, like adult album alternative. I know this is a radio term. I don't know what it means, but I bet this is it.
1: Yeah i I love that a band that's this unique became really popular. Like like there was a lot of diversity at this time which I talked about yeah. a couple episodes ago that MTV was impressive because they were a one platform operation that was able to bring many different genres into one day of of music. So like you look at the the charts in 1993 and it was like Boys to Men was there Garth Brooks was there. Kings of 1993, Spin Doctors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. wait. Like,
0: we, we have not done Spin Doctors yet.
1: We have not oh, done Spin Doctors. we should do that. I would do the entire pocket full of kryptonite album. That, no,
0: I think I think we do Two Princes or uh what's the what little miss can't little be miss wrong. Little miss can't be
1: wrong. Yeah. C- come on.
0: It's uh, got to be Two Princes.
1: Yeah, I I know. Um but there was a lot of diversity, and and this this doesn't feel like the type of thing that you would put on. Like like this is not a knock on Ten Thousand Maniacs, but you're trying to uh, you know gain an audience, keep an audience. This does not seem like the type of thing that you would throw on after Boys to Men and go, hey, if we want to keep some listeners and viewers on MTV, let's uh, throw Natalie Merchant doing an uh, unplugged.
0: Sure But you know You know who else Was really popular Around this time Suzanne Vega
1: Like yes. I think
0: I think like uh, You know Someone who Like did uh, Was folk influenced Really good songwriting And singing Did like issue songs And could And would rock Up to a point Like
1: But But didn't she kind of Really make her name uh, For the Tom's Diner Dancey uh, But also Also
0: for Luca
1: Yeah yeah, my name um, is and, Luca. and around I this time, so like ninety
0: two, like I, I think I have proposed we do a song from this album on on the show, and that didn't quite go platinum. But uh, I love the ninety nine point nine Fahrenheit degrees album, Suzanne Vega, and there's a lot of similarity between that album and Our Time in Eden, and I think they came out the same year, probably.
1: Yeah, mo- most likely. Th- there was th- this. N- Niche for this type of music at, at this time. I mean, even REM Out of Time kind yeah. of falls into this this same style. The same. This was the same year
0: as Automatic for the People, right? Y- yes. Well, okay. Uh, uh, that's that's when the album came out. Uh, I, the I, I, Our Time in Eden, not the not the unplugged But yeah, we
1: we we discussed that REM was putting out so much at this time that it's hard for me to go. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that wasn't this year. That was that was six months before that. They they were just churning it out like crazy. Um, what else have you got to say about this song and and this performance?
0: Yeah, I th- so like I said the uh, I love the unplugged. I put it on all the time, and I and I love this this studio album also. Like, I think some of some of her best songwriting ever. I think is on this album. I think Noah's Dove is an incredible song that also appears on both the unplugged and the studio album.
1: And I I love Candy Everybody Wants. Yeah. It, it's yeah so i mean the catchy. other thing is
0: like a fair criticism of natalie merchant and Ten Thousand 000 is their songs were pretty on the nose in terms of lyrics so like you know this is the song about illiteracy and this is the song about child abuse and this is the song about unwanted pregnancy and like that that is totally fine and like it never quite crosses over into into like you know I still have trouble listening to Throwing Copper because the lyrics are so bad. I know. That's not the case with 10,000 Maniacs, but like, wow, do they just like tell you this is this is going to be the song about, uh, you know, candy everybody wants is, is about like, you know, uh, TV rotting your brain. And that's what I, it's I about.
1: Have, I have two things to say here one is there's this controversy going on right now with Jason Aldean putting <laughs> what out a, a song it's, it's it's so dumb putting out a song about Carrying a gun around in a small town because you don't mess with people in a small town, yep. and he's he is defending it like crazy, and he didn't write a single piece of the song. Oh. So, <laughs> so I will say that Natalie Merchant, you know, she she's picking some very topical things, but at least she's writing it herself. And, yeah, yeah. And no, no I'm, I'm not criticizing
0: the message. Like I, it's just one way of doing it.
1: I I will also say, I talked to our brother Ben earlier this week, and he had just listened to our episode about Live Throwing (laughs) Copper and said that it was was his favorite episode we ever did, and all of a sudden, I get a video from his wife, Daisha, last night saying, I got front row tickets and backstage passes to this show. Ben said you love this band, and it took me a minute. I'm like, are you seeing Live from the front row? And I'm like, how did this happen? And she's like, what's the problem? Ben said that you really like...
0: <laughs> Who is in the
1: band? <laughs> Only Ed Kowalczyk okay. and a bunch of random guys right. because we talked about that article. <laughs> just, and, and I'm just
0: trying to jog my memory.
1: Y- yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's fine. I bet it'll be great, band. you know? But but if I had said that to her, she would have been like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, to so still are haven't you going the story- to this show? No, she okay. was there last night. Oh. She sent me video oh, with okay. like... With like nothing, like look, I'm seeing the band live. She just sent me a video and said Ben said you love this band, and I had to try and decipher it myself. And the only way I could figure out what band it was was because I saw the bald head, and I'm like, okay, so who's who's fronted by a guy with a really bald head? It's got to be live, yeah,
0: <laughs> and it was. Could be, could be Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, uh.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, the the only other thing that I was gonna say is. There are now over a hundred uh, unplugged sessions. It, okay, they they are they they haven't done any in a while, but they they have not said they've wrapped it up. Sure. Like every once in a while, MTV comes back to it, and there's there's a lot that I didn't know that have been recorded. There's some really great stuff hiding out there. The I mean, obviously everybody knows about Nirvana, but uh, if you've never listened to the Alice in Chains one, mm-hmm. it's really really fantastic. And, We've uh, never apparently... done
0: Alison Chains on this show,
1: right? No, not not yet. It's it's on the list. Um, not not to give too much away, but I feel like we try and not throw grunge in every I two episodes because it's just too easy. But
0: when we do, we should do Rooster, right?
1: Oh, hell yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so what are you listening to right now?
0: Uh, okay, I got a I got a couple. So um uh. Pop punk time. Uh, There's a band that uh, my bandmate Matt really likes called Origami Angel. And he's like, you got to hear the new Origami Angel. It is great. It's called The Brightest Days. They're a duo from DC. And it is just like... Uh, super high-energy, catchy pop-punk. Like, they do one of my favorite things, which is the first song on the album starts kind of acoustic, and you're like, I know this is going to get loud. I know this is going to get loud. And then it gets loud. Um, so, uh, like, not not breaking any new ground, but it sure is fun. And uh, then one of my favorite bands, The Clientele, uh, which is sort of the oppos- opposite, sort of a really laid pastoral British pop band Uh, they have a new album that is out uh, as we're recording this next week but when you're hearing this it'll be out now called I Am Not There Anymore and it's a double album and uh, it's it's going to be like all of their other albums that it's like smart, philosophical musings on the nature of reality kind of set in an imaginary version of England. And uh, before this album came out, they warned that it might get kind of electronic. I've listened to the first three singles. It sounds like their other albums. It's great.
1: Well, I, I, was, uh, I, I saw you put this on the list. I'm like, God, I haven't heard the clientele since probably like the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. I wonder when they formed. They've been around for over 30 years. Uh, and the, and yet formed in 1991 and didn't put out their first album until 2000. Yeah, they they do have a compilation now from their early years. But yeah, uh, and
0: you know my favorite clientele album is the one from 2017. It's great.
1: So I I haven't heard it. I I can't remember which album I heard. It. Uh oh, strange geometry. Also great. Yeah, t- 2005. Um, so what do you got? I I heard through our, our brother Ben. Uh. This album, J.W. Francis is the artist Dreamhouse. He's a Brooklyn, New York singer-songwriter, and he is like a cross between Warren Zevon and Harry Nilsson. Harry Nilsson, both of them, I absolutely love, and this guy has got it nailed. Where some of the lyrics are are funny and kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, the the chord changes are really weird. It's it's unique. Uh, check out the song "Swooning" on the album. It's it's fantastic.
0: I did listen to that song and it was great.
1: This is going to come as a major surprise. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard put out another album, <laughs> <laughs> Petrodragonic Apocalypse. How many? How many need
0: is that so far this year? Is it? This is, this is actually first, the first one this year. Okay.
1: Yep. Uh, but need I say more? They they put together another metal hard rock album here. And it is relentless. Like they, they're just like we're not going to take it down at all. We're going to do thirty-eight minutes of metal, and it is such a good rock album. I got to see them twice last m- month. They might be my favorite band on the planet right now. And
0: so is a is a Petro uh, Dragonic Apocalypse. Is that is that Petro like the dragons made of stone, or is it or is it like a petroleum fueled dragon?
1: You're somewhat joking around and I have I have not got the vinyl yet, but I-, I do know that inside the vinyl is the story of the entire rock Go opera ahead. and it is like a twenty thousand word <laughs> essay. It, like it like I'm gonna have to sit down and take an entire evening to figure out what this album is about. And apparently when you buy the LP, <laughs> something not on Spotify, the fourth side of the of the vinyl is all some sort of like spoken word story that you can't find anywhere else except on the vinyl. Can't wait, classic gizzard. Uh, and then I'll just mention Queens of the Stone Age put out a- another new album in Times New Roman. They've been around for twenty seven years and they just keep churning out great albums. It's another album that you want, you really want to hear. Uh, if you like everything they put out, for you're going to love this.
0: Um, okay, yeah, I've not listened to that yet. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, also, I saw Nas dropped a new album, Magic Two. Like, I think Nas is doing like two albums a year at this point. Just decided that's where he is in life, and I haven't listened to it yet, but I assume that it's pretty good.
1: I I want to tell a, a little side note story here. I live in West Seattle, and once a year there is a West Seattle Summerfest Street Fair. And in addition to booths and things like that, they have a main stage with a bunch of local bands. And the local bands are usually like, let's say, listener friendly. Like they're good, really good. Um, But they try not to get anything too loud and they try to pick things that like kids to older adults will like. And Saturday night, the headliner was a band called The Cave Singers, who are really great. I've heard that name they're very quiet and very mellow. The drummer plays with with brushes the entire time and then it's acoustic guitar and electric guitar and it's quiet and kind of beautiful melodies. Really nice for like a wind up of an evening. But <laughs> the band they put before them was a band called Sandrider. I did not research this band beforehand. I did not know what was happening going in and they get introduced as a classic Power Trio, and they come out and they are screamo early 90s style grunge men.
0: I hope the person who introduced them <laughs> said, Well, it's time to start. Everyone, welcome Sandrider.
1: <laughs> they were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. Apparently, they are ex members of two other local bands, Akimbo and the Ruby Doe. The guy has got a great screaming voice, and my favorite part was. In between songs, he gets up to the microphone and he goes, so, you know, we hung around here all day and we listened to the bands and we saw the lineup and we were really excited to hear everybody. And we also thought to ourselves, this audience is going to fucking hate us.
0: <laughs> Did they?
1: <laughs> no. Oh, everybody was like, oh, this is really good. And and like, at first I'm like, this is too loud for this. And by the end of it, they had me completely sold. That's awesome. So they, they're on Spotify. Check out Sand Rider. Okay. Really yeah. good.
0: Uh, all right. You can find us at uh, hidden Jukebox Bo- at hiddenjukebox.com at uh, facebook.com slash hidden jukebox, uh, Instagram at jukebox hidden. Anywhere else, people should go.
1: Uh, listen to us on your favorite podcasts. Yeah. Uh, spread the listen word. Listen to about us on us. your
0: favorite podcasts. We-
1: listen to listen to us on your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs> wow, we're both talking really well today, huh? You know, I I scored about a three eighty on the English SAT, <laughs> so don't judge me.
0: <laughs> All right. So, un- until next time, when we may or may not snuff the rooster, I'm Matthew <laughs> Amster Burton,
1: and I'm Jake Amster.